those that ends the show and tell portion of this uh, podcast today. And uh, we are moving forward with the important things. Well, before we get into that, I just have to mention, like, talking about The Witcher and like. Oh, yeah, let's continue that. I'm sorry. I just I just have one thing that I want to say, because I feel like it neatly encompasses why I'm a little confused. Um, So Game of Thrones seasons one through seven were like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Like. They were great. They were fun. They nailed it. They did wonderful stuff. There's a lot of controversy about season eight. We could do a whole series on that. We won't. Um, But I feel like a lot of the people who like that, liked that, like Witcher. And I'm confused because of the popularity of The Witcher, because to me, it feels like someone walked into a party in one of those blow up doll suits that have like fake muscles, you know, like all yeah. rubbery and stuff with an Arnold Schwarzenegger mask on. And everyone went, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's here. He's back. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, y'all, that's well, really the, well, the quality of storytelling is definitely not there. But I think the world for people is probably more interesting with yeah. the absolute like with the lean into magic that. Yeah the uh, Witcher does versus Game of Thrones. Yeah. Like heavily. True. I think people really dig. Um, Henry Cavill is really good looking too. You yeah, know, that so that off, that helps. Um, Hoskier or Joskier is amazing. Like yeah. the bard is so good. Uh, his, yeah, I he mean, does a pretty good I job. I was just singing the song before we were on, you know? Like, yeah. And I, I, I like that tweet from him that says, if you think the song is annoying now, just remember that I had to have it stuck in my head for eight months before <laughs> any of you heard it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and I, I've started to really, I don't know, like part of me is just like, I like it, but there is just that quality of something that's missing from it that doesn't got me hooked. You yeah. know, like I'm not here. Here's kind of how it is. And I, I, I use my, my eight old, um, eight old, I'm going to keep that, um, adage of, <laughs> My Denzel Washington. This is this is and this is who I use. I think everybody kind of has this kind of stuff too, where when it's on, I really enjoy it, but I don't find myself craving to go back to it at any point in time. Mm. That's kind of what it is for me. Where like I watch it, I was like, okay, that's really cool. I like this. I'm I'm into it. But like when I turn it off, I don't really care if I go back to it or not. I will watch it all eventually, but it's not one of those like. On like Succession or BoJack Horseman, so it's the I'm sort like, of thing you see on a on a TV when you're like channel surfing and you would stop and watch it, but you would never like go looking for it, basically. Right, and that's yeah. what Denzel Washington is to me. Wrapping that back around, it's really wow. odd. I think Denzel Washington is a incredible actor, and I love almost all of his performances, regardless yeah. of how I care about the movie. I usually like everything that he does, yeah. and I not just like it; I really like it. I'm always like taken aback by, I'm like, holy crap. That guy is awesome. Yep. I really like him, too. I will seek him out. So, you know, Denzel, if you're listening, please don't be offended. You can come hang out with me anytime. But it's just one of those. Aaron can just sit and drink by himself. Yeah. It's one of those things where I never seek out Denzel, but he's always somebody that when I watch and I think it's just incredible and amazing. Um, And I think The Witcher is kind of like that for me, but on a lower level. um, I know Brianna really likes it. So she's the one that's been pushing us watching it more. So Mm I. I'm, I'm with you. I think I like it more than you do, but I definitely get what you're saying. And I, I'm, I'm there kind of yeah. on your side. I just, I, I, I like, yeah, I like and it. I, I think to tie back into your question earlier, um, part of why I, I don't necessarily find myself falling in love with the show yet is because I think it, there's so much nuance to the games 
that the show hasn't really begun to tackle yet. Right. So I think you, that's probably a big part of it, but it's almost, it's also been like 10 episodes and yeah. you know, some things take time. But I think about like season one of Game of Thrones and like that didn't take any time. By episode four of Game of Thrones, I was in. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's definitely a slower paced storytelling and a more focused. It, it, I, I See, I just kind of like the just I'm allowed to sit with something on screen with somebody for a little bit. And maybe it's just that those moments are too long for you. Or do you think the actual giving, let me put it this way. I'll ask a different question. Do you think it is the giving the information to you or how, how paced it is? Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. It's about pacing. Yeah. Okay. So it's not necessarily about what they're revealing to you in each episode and that slowness. It's more about the pacing of like the actual episode and when they're revealing that to you. It's both. I think. Okay. So, I think it's too – this show in particular is got a lot going on, and I think they're doing a good job of trying to, like, run parallel storylines and weave them together. Do you but think that's an issue, the three different uh, timelines? Yes, I do. Because I, it's, I told Brianna that beforehand. I was like, hey, there's yeah. three different timelines here, and I'm going to tell you how we can, like, pinpoint. Because, yeah. by the way, these people don't really age except for series, so, like, yeah. we're not going to be able to find, like, no wind. Because, like, there's yeah. – alternate scenes with Yennefer and Geralt that like you expected to be right away, but it's actually like 20 years in the future, you know? Um, Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. I I just think it's interesting. One thing I just want to applaud that they are doing is like, they're, they're not giving into just like CGIing everything. Yeah. Right. Like the, 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 uh, there, there are places where they could use CGI and instead they opt to use, you know, old stage trickery or special effect you know practical effects instead and i think that's really really cool i feel like that's kind of a trend that's starting you know i I like it i think it's neat i'm a big fan too um and i really appreciated that with a lot of the new star wars films too where Mm -hmm. and i saw i was reading something today about the prequels about saying it's a they are a they're two hour tech demos so if Mm -hmm. you just go into it thinking they're two hour tech demos for that time period then (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little easier to stomach than usual. Yeah, well, uh, that that whole thing was like kicked off by Avatar, right? I mean, yeah. the wild success of that movie and how beautiful it was for the time. Yeah, um, really started a trend, and that I trend that. has been very consistent in Hollywood. Saw that since. movie three times in the theater. My yeah. dad saw it four times. <laughs> I wow. just like it was incredible. Like it was, it was okay. I mean, it was a very trite story. No, like, the I didn't story really itself the story was at like. All. It's the not story itself I has I, been hundreds of different stories. I was just amazed by the visuals. Um, visuals. That's yeah. all. That's honestly all it was. I just like wanted to go in there. It's the very first movie where I felt like it had true depth to it. And it appeared to be 3D inward instead of 3D outward. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just all I, to me, it was just awesome. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, it was great. And it was, a lot of it was CG, but a lot of it was just so pretty. Like it didn't look CG. I don't know. Yeah. It was beautiful. No, I, I get what you mean. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was fun. Um, I really enjoyed that. Did you see recently the um, change from Epcot to Epcot? No. Okay, so they changed the logo of Epcot from Epcot <laughs> E, lowercase PCOT, to all uppercase Epcot. Ooh. In, in so, order to pay tribute to something they have actively not pursued and are moving away from. Oh, gosh. And I find that really fascinating. Yeah. 
He's just like, congratulations. You guys are making a name change to something that is really awesome and cool. Well, it's not even a name change. It's just a logo change. So it's not even like they're changing it to They're rebranding it. Yeah, it's a yeah. rebrand, but I still really enjoy the rebrand. Yeah. I'm Anyways, gonna, I'm gonna just are... say the word louder than I used to. Uh. Yeah, that's that's how it has to be. <laughs> that's proper Disney nomenclature now, is you have to yell Epcot instead of just say it. <laughs> so I see you're trying to uh, book a resort in the Epcot uh, center. <laughs> is that uh Disney's boardwalk in or when... Disney's uh, villas at boardwalk in? <laughs> You just want to be close to Epcot, right? Yes, that's the only park I care about. Magic Jeez. Kingdom and Epcot. Um, I'm tired of talking about theme parks. We spent three episodes on that in the past. I know, I so. know. We're going to wrap back into it if we're not careful. I know. It's just like, welcome to theme parks part two, part two, yeah. where we talk for another six episodes. Every single time that we, we knew a topic, we have to double the amount of episodes we did on it before. So, And that's our branding. That's, that's how it works. That's why we're infinite pulp. Infinitely exponential pulp. It never ends. Anyways, we are infinite pulp. My name is Aaron. I'm Max. That's Max over there. I can oh, see him today. All the way today. over here. Yay. I mean, I can see him every day, but... Every time we do this. Yeah, we're back. It's been a few we, weeks. It's we're back. It's been a few weeks for us. It's not been yeah. a few weeks for the listeners. Yeah. But I think it's um, important to pay tribute to that. Like if if we've had some extra time away, like do we you, shouldn't just pretend that you know there's you care no to stage about magic. why we was we were away for two weeks that we didn't uh, or four, I really we didn't talk for I think three weeks. Yeah, it's been a number of weeks. Um I think for me it was mostly because I was busy with stage managing a play in town. It was the first play I've ever been paid from the start to participate in. Um, And that was a really exciting opportunity. And I really learned a lot and I'm really grateful I did it. And it was a heck of an experience. Um, I'm really proud of the show and I'm really proud of being a part of it. And um, it's kicked off the the new life, basically, of this new theater company in town that I cool. look forward to seeing more productions from in the future. Awesome. It gave me a great chance to get to meet a bunch of people and, you know, get connected with the community more. And it was good. It was fabulous. Cool. But it was also exhausting, um, yeah. which is why we went on hold was because Aaron, in his infinite graciousness, um, decided to postpone the pulp because I, I just needed the balance. I needed some space on Thursday nights because what was happening was I was coming home at like 10, 1030, getting on after being, you know, there for three, three and a half hours, getting online and trying to work straight away. And I just didn't have any energy left. Yeah. Um, and I think the product reflected that. That was our theme park episode. So yes, it was. Um, you guys are welcome for uh, for <laughs> no, for all it, that. Was, yeah, no it was, I, it was really fun. theme park episode. And I didn't really think that it was actually that bad of I don't I don't think our quality actually suffered at all for it. Not that yeah. there's any quality here to begin with. That's why we have pulp. <laughs> but, you know, um, we're I proud love of that. deprecating humor. I love yeah. it so much. Uh, me too. As long as it doesn't get outrageous, I have a tendency to go too far yeah. on it for sure. And, yeah. you know, that's always tied back to insecurities, uh, obviously. But if you but can also get a jokes nice... for me, I think are funnier when they're played out longer. It's one of the reasons I like shows like Rick and Morty is because they'll they'll make a joke yeah. and then they make the joke and then they make the joke and then they make yeah. the joke. And it's funnier the 600th time than it was the first time. Yeah, absolutely. Have you have you heard about this whole thing about how birds aren't real? 
Yeah, I have you, actually. Elizabeth Elizabeth told me all about it, and she has a shirt. <laughs> so uh, my roommates actually just texted me the other day and wants to get one of the shirts. Yep. And we had a discussion about whether birds are real or not. So I wanted to ask you if you thought birds were real. I do think birds are real, but I'm pretty. Uh, I'm a pretty gullible guy. I was always the first person to look up when someone said, "Hey, someone wrote gullible on the ceiling." Oh, and I yeah. would look up and there wouldn't be anything. And Dude, I would me say, too. no, there's not. And then they would do it again the next day and say, yeah, but I wrote something last night. And so I'd look up again. Right? <laughs> like I'm inherently, yeah. I'm inherently, I think, more trusting than most people yeah. are. I, I am very trusting when it comes to that kind of stuff yeah. as well. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I killed a bird once and I felt really bad about it. And, oh, uh, accidentally, I assume, right? No, I shot it. Uh, oh, were you I, hunting? We, we had we had some starlings, which are not good birds towards other birds, mm. um, and so we liked our other birds and didn't like the starlings. So my dad's like, "Hey, take the pellet gun out. You can kill as many starlings as you want to." It's like, "Okay, cool." I shot one, and I was just like, "All right, I'm done. I don't need to do this anymore." <laughs> I felt real bad, and I was like, "All right, I can't kill things. Yeah. I just discovered that I'm not able to kill animals, um, even starlings and birds. I mean, they're not even real, and I couldn't kill it." So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one more thing for you, unless you have some some fun things that's happened to you that you want to discuss. No, uh, I just have a brief bird story, which is uh, I was ooh, working yeah. I was working at a video game store uh, back in Knoxville and there was a bird like in the ceiling that somehow had like fallen through like something. And so I managed to like get him down out of the ceiling because he was he was a fledgling, right? Like he couldn't fly. Um, and I got him down and, from the ceiling and he managed to like find his way down onto the floor and I managed to like urge him outside and get him outside into the fresh air. And it was like, it was a slow day. It was like a Tuesday afternoon. Nothing was happening at the store. So I should have been like restocking shelves and like, you know, alphabetizing and stuff, but I wasn't, I helped the bird get out. And when he finally did get out, um, we hung out on the sidewalk for like half an hour because he wouldn't go away. (laughs) Like he just kept trying to follow yeah. me back inside the store. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it was cute. So I'm, s- I'm a pretty big fan of birds. Even if I they like aren't birds real, too. at least they're cute. There's a Netflix documentary about dancing birds that just came out uh, a couple months ago. That's really, really cool. Interesting. Um, I suggest check, folks check, suggest yeah. folks check it out. Um, we had some birds that would fly down our wood stove chimney mm-hmm. in in our whole in our house, and we they would like we wouldn't know. So we would go to turn the wood stove on and like open it up to put some stuff in there and the bird would fly out <laughs> and we'd have to catch the bird in the living room and then send it outside. It was fun. That poor startled, disgruntled bird. Just yeah. trying to, he's just trying to nest. I could have shot it with a pellet gun, but you know, then I decided I couldn't do it anymore. Good job. So, you know, we shot him with a BB gun and a shotgun, but you know, it, I feel like it was better. Um, I don't think we actually killed any of those birds. We wouldn't do that. But I, I have a couple more things that I, I want to share with you tonight that I thought I found out today that was really cool. But before we get to those, um, we have something that we need to do because we haven't done it for a couple of weeks. And oh, I'm really sad. Oh, golly. Yeah. And Max is not I'm not ready. See, I'm not I'm, ready. There's I'm too the much pressure. I'm the person that enjoys this. Maybe we're going to cut this bit out, you know? No, I, I, I'm fine <laughs> to do it. You know, it's fine. It, a little bit of suffering for the sake of entertainment. I'm all about that. Anyways, we're going to play What Am I Watching? Maybe we'll write a theme song for it. We do need a little a little music blurb. I will will ask our our musician friend who did our intro to do it for us if he wants. Yeah. Um, It just needs to be like four or five notes. Yeah, disco mystic. Maybe I'll just pull something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll do something with my drums maybe and record it. Good. I like it. So, 
Here's how the game works. In case this is your very first episode, I apologize. Go back and listen to the other ones. I promise some of those are better. The uh, How dare you make excuses? <laughs> I'm preemptively making an excuse that this episode just sucks. It's just first not going to be good. How dare you? Uh, anyways, so Max is going to get five questions and then on top of that he gets two total guesses now max can use those five questions to guess a movie he's done it before um i usually give him whether it's a movie or a tv show he kind of starts on i there. also get two clues right I, and, it's important oh yes, to remember and i'm giving you that clues. i'm giving you two clues okay. i actually already have a really good clue that i think <laughs> you're going to like um and i think it's a good clue but uh anyways the category is movies Ooh. Okay. Is it live action? Yes. Is it part of a larger series? It's not. Was it made before 2000? It was. Is it a comedy? (sighs) Yes. All right. Give me a clue. Okay, so this movie everybody believes is made by Disney, but it's not. All right, this is going to have to be my second clue because I screwed myself already. Um, it, did I already ask if it's live action? You did, but that's not a clue. So that's just confirming the facts. Okay, so it is live action. Yes. And people think it's Disney, but it's not. It's not. No. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm really good when it comes to animated movies that people think are Disney and are not, but I'm really bad at it when it comes to live-action stuff. Yeah. Because Disney's live-action stuff has always, like, never been fun for me anyway. Yes, but this live-action movie, and this is a freebie because we're expanding the first clue. Okay. Um, This live-action movie, it would be something that you would assume Disney would make because of how closely related the story is to some of their property. One more question, two more guesses, and a clue. Give me one more clue. Okay. Oh, I have a couple of these, but I don't, I want to make it so I'm not going to just give it away, you know, um, and make it too easy for you. So let let me think about this for a second. Hmm... Yeah, I'm going to go with my original clue, and I think it's going to help give it away, but I can't think of anything else. So the main character, the main actor who plays the main character, is well known for being a comedic actor, but is just as amazing in dramas as well. Which I know doesn't narrow down to a lot of people, because there's a lot of comedians like that, but this guy is especially good at dramas. And sometimes really creepy, dark comedy. That's my clue. <laughs> that's a horror, that's that's a useless clue. There are okay. so many comedians who cross that boundary because comedy is okay. We'll, we'll, okay, we'll, okay, give, okay. we'll give you a bonus clue. No, 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 no. I don't want a bonus clue. Don't you? Don't you gift wrap me anything? Okay. Um, I've got one last question and then two guesses. Yes. Um. Is 
Julie Andrews in it. Ooh. No. But there is a Julie-ish a uh, actress in it. Dear listeners, you can't see the face I'm making right now, but he, he just said Julie-ish, so... I just want to make sure we all heard that together. Julie-ish. Um, well, yeah. it's because her name is not Julie, but it's close. Mm. Um, in that case, I'm going to go ahead and guess. Mm. I got nothing, man. I got nothing. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do one more thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. request I'm gonna do something special. I'm gonna request that we give up one guess in exchange for one more clue. Oh yes, I can do that. Okay, because I'm I'm on the struggle bus. This I know for a fact this movie is one of your top three favorite movies. Hook. Yes. It's my number one favorite movie. Yeah, all I know time. it is. I, 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 I couldn't I just say it was your favorite. Wasn't, I, I I didn't trust myself. I was really sure that if I guessed that one, that it would be wrong, and yeah. I didn't want to burn one of my guesses. Oh so. man, yeah. But the thing is, is I feel comfortable with that clue because you, if you would have burned one of your guesses for one for that guess, it would have been right. You know? Yeah. So like, you did burn one of your guesses, and you still got it right. Yeah. So, oh, I don't even know where we're at anymore. Let's let's look at let's look at the uh, the tally and, and the oh, you're coming back. It is three, mm-hmm. two, four. Um, Here to help. Yeah, Here and to I don't. Help. And I, I'm. I, yeah, the um. There were so many clues I was trying to go with. You know, mm-hmm. still, this is a Spielberg film, which would have given it away. You know, yeah. I was trying to figure out a way to. I wanted to talk about how Glenn Close is in it, but doesn't play a woman. You know, yeah, like, that's a like, good one. Not everyone knows she's in that. It's a little cameo role. It's very it's, small. No, not the boo boo box. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, yes. I, I, and so. Um, I don't know. I love this movie. I know you obviously do as well. But yeah, do you see that recent photo that was surfaced on like social media? That's from the set, and it's it's um, Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman, and uh, I can't remember Rufio's actor's name. Gosh, he plays Zuko in uh, Avatar. Yeah. So yes, we're gonna look does. it up because um, it's important. I should I should know this, and I don't. And I'm embarrassed about it. Anyway, it's the three of them in the dressing room, and. Each of them has on a hat with their name on it, except Rufio, obviously, because his wig would get messed up. And it's really yeah. fun. Bob Hoskins. No, I'm just kidding. That's me. Hold on. Um, yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> tell me. I can get I can get the, I can get back around to this. Let's circle back around to this at the end of the at the end of the podcast. OK, because I want a chance to remember because he deserves it. I mean, I have it. I know. Oh. And I don't want you to tell me because I know it and I shouldn't. I should. It, it, it's on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, we'll come back to it. He plays my second, a third favorite character in Avatar, which is really cool. Yeah, he's got an amazing arc, according to everybody oh, dude, on the he's internet. He's got an amazing arc. Yeah, it's awesome. I could never get into that show either. I know. <laughs> I tried. It's okay. We understand. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah, uh, but I did find out. Um, my, one of my roommates really likes Avatar, so we've been watching nice. this lately, and it's very, very exciting. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Anyways, um, let's let's. Oh, one more thing before before we get into the topic, and mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about how like popularity 
matters when it comes to what kind of things are being made. And most of the time I'm talking about entertainment, um, like books, movies, TV show, video games, music, that kind of stuff, and how it kind of... And then, then the I'm always interested in the break in that, you know? Like, when does the main shift happen? So that's what we're going to do, as vague as that was. We'll get into it a little bit more. But before that, I wanted to sh- talk to you about one more thing, because I saw this today, and I thought it was really cool. Um, I There's a website out there that's called Quantic Foundry, and you can take mm-hmm. a survey. It's about 30 questions. And it tells you what your gamer motivation profile is. Fun. And I so heard it's, of this. Yeah. So it says your scores are based upon how strong your motivations are relative to other games. So mine is I, I tend to play games that are more immersive, social, action, and achievement oriented. Mm-hmm. Which the achievement that's, one. That's exactly right. <laughs> Right, which is exactly right. I lack, I don't play a lot of games that require a ton of mastery, like JRPGs and like um, tactical games and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Puzzle games. I do like puzzle games, but you know, and then creativity, I scored really low at. And that's because it's the reasons I don't like um, Red Dead and GTA. Mm -hmm. Um, It's because part of the fun in those worlds is just making stuff up and going and doing things and just like, messing with the world mm-hmm. and i kind of like to have a i don't really do that i don't like test out everything that i can do or like try all this weird stuff i kind of like oh that's my mission i'm gonna go do that mission and kind of yeah. go from mission to mission to mission i don't spend a lot of time just wandering the world creatively and exploring so you get caught up basically yeah i'm just like interesting to me the because, story but you liked um what was that outer worlds right that came out recently and that's yeah. a, a very side quest oriented game that's what i like though i like quests Okay. I don't okay, like so you not want quests. The, got it, got it, got it. Okay, so you need to be out in the world exploring for a purpose. Right, yes, than exactly. Just exploring. I think okay. I like, my favorite style is just like, I don't know, I, I like to role play a lot. And mm-hmm. so it's, I, I am this person and I want to do what this person would do realistically in the world, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I need to go finish this quest. If I happen to just stumble across a cave and I have some time, yeah, I'm going to go check that out. Like, because it's on the way to something. Whenever I play Mass Effect and I'm trying to figure out where to get, like, what planets I want to stop off, I find the next planet in my quest line, and then the line that it gives me, I stop at all those planets. Because, mm-hmm. like, that would make sense to me. You know? Like, I need to explore these planets. Let's do it on the way, because we don't have to come back. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, uh, but I don't do a whole lot of just wandering and, like, like, I'm not just going around trying to figure out if you can get grandma to ride in your back like you can in Red Dead 1. You know, like, <laughs> like it's just not one of those things that um, – and then they they give you um, secondary motivations too. So um, – which I'm trying to figure out a way to see better because they're cut off a little bit. But I think it is fantasy, excitement – um, challenge, like discovery, I, I, I scored seven percent on, and that's wow, like our earlier conversation low. we had a while back about. I just don't, I don't like, I don't love exploring, and so when you hide things that make me like, when you hide health and uh, uh, power upgrades 
in exploring mm-hmm. that aren't like on the the critical path. It's just really it's hard. I, I miss it. I will always miss stuff. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna unless you tell me um, in game if there is a. Uh, like I was playing Fallen Order the other night, and all I was doing was run. I wasn't progressing the story at all. I was just collecting things. I like to collect things um, as well, which is I know is kind of counterintuitive, but um, I'm still doing something for a purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, it told it told me how many chests I had left and how many secrets I had left in each section of each planet. So I could I look at it, I was like, oh, I know there's something else here. I'm going to go yeah. find it. You know, yeah. where it's like, hey. You need to collect six more of these. They could be anywhere in the world like they are in God of War. Like, that's more difficult for me to process. Yep. So, yeah, I get that. I totally get that. But it's fun. You should go take the test and then uh, let yeah, me know t- what you... I'm interested to see what your gamer profile... They have a couple other fun tests on there, too, that I really like. Yeah, shoot me a text back after the one I sent you. I will. Um, and I will absolutely go do that. Yep. I'll make sure not to read your text before that, because if I Definitely. read it now, I, I'm not texting you back. I'm forgetting yeah. about that Perfect. for sure. So Max and I were thinking about this a little earlier today and what I really want to get into tonight and thank you for being patient for us this long is I want to get into really things that are popular and why they're popular and does popularity validate something? Does it invalidate something if it's not popular? Does the quality of content determined by the collective taste of society? That's something I'm really interested in, you know, like or what people are making is determined by the people who want to make it or because they know society are going to take it. Um, which on top of that, the expose is money controls everything. Yeah. Um, so how much do intentions matter? Like the Disney live action remakes because of the reboot and the popularity and that kind of stuff. We don't have to get into any of that. That's kind of another sort of thing. I might want to focus on the popularity thing, but so I guess let's just um, pick up kind of where we left off a little bit earlier about Transformers. And I kind of want to start there because it's an easy way into it. Yeah, so let's do it. my main question and what I was thinking about is um, do critics really matter? And, and you know, because <clears throat> there's something that is supposed to be what a good movie is. And then there's something that makes you a billion dollars. So, what really defines whether or not that thing is good? So the first Transformers movie, I really like a lot. And I think it's really fun. Um, but it led to more Transformers movies because it did so well. And those mm-hmm. were not as critically <laughs> acclaimed. And people did not like them as much. I still liked quite a bit of them. I haven't had a chance to watch the fifth one that came out like five, four years ago. I tried several times. I can't. I, even I have limits sometimes. Yeah. Um, but... Really, why are those not good movies? Because they made a lot of money and a lot of people watched them and a lot of people went and liked them, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's one of those things to me where like, well, what's really determining what's good or not? And that led to my, well, is it just because it's popular doesn't mean it inherently is a good medium, like a good, you know, a good piece of entertainment. I kind of want to stick just to entertainment on this one just because it's an innocent thing. Yeah, I agree. I think this conversation, if we're not careful, could easily spiral into like, what is art? And that's an entirely separate conversation. Right. Um, So 
Anyways, I that spitballed all that one. Do you have thoughts on that or should I just keep talking without letting you try? Yeah, no, I, I and I don't <laughs> mind you talking because I feel like sometimes I monologue a lot uh, and I don't want to do it too much and like imbalance things ever. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm perfectly happy for you to do that from time you, to time. You don't, by the way. Good. You should see some of the edits that we have. And it's just like um, my color is green and you think your color is purple. Mm-hmm. When, when, when is I'm editing more things, green than purple? And I'm scrolling back. I'm just like, gosh, there's way too much green on this. I'm talking way too often on these things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, good. Then I feel so less bad it. about it. Yeah. yeah. So what I was going to say was just that Transformers actually for me um, was iterative to this concept. Because before Transformers, I had I had spent so much time having opinions and just thinking that my opinions not necessarily were truth, but like not really thinking beyond, you know, I like good things was what I what I basically told myself for the longest time. And after I walked out of Transformers, I went, man, that movie was bad. And man, did I love every minute of it. Right. And that really forced the distinction in my mind and understanding of like experience about and around um, quality versus preference. So was Transformers good? I would argue no. Was Transformers Something I loved, yes. So, and 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 being able to distinguish between those two things um, has been very impactful for me in being able to communicate uh, both about my preferences and uh, learning about other people's. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of right there. Not that wasn't the movie for me. I don't really know what the change was, but I spent yeah. a lot of my early twenties, as I think a lot of people do in mid twenties, of just saying, yes. What I like is objectively good, <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's no subjectivity to this. Yeah. If I have a good opinion about it and I think it's good, yeah, it's probably good. You should probably probably watch it. Yeah, but it's um, also true that inherently, like, talking about whether or not something is good implies that there is a certain amount of objectivity to the measurement right. scale. And I, right, and that's where I wanted to go with this, is, is why does, like, does it matter? Or not even so much does it matter, but more of the case... Um, is it true? So what are like, why, why is it bad? You know, we can use transformers as our centerpiece here if we want to, just because I think we're both intimate with that movie. Um, and so, but like, why is it a bad movie, but you loved it? Like, doesn't the fact that you love it means that it did exactly what it's supposed to do. So that is a good thing and a good movie. I think, I think a thing can be entertaining without being good. And I think that's a really important distinction to similar thing, I guess, similar concept. But like it was very entertaining, you know, big, good robots fight big, bad robots. And it was strung together by a series of really bad off color jokes and a romance that was as like hackneyed as the hash browns I had for breakfast this morning. Like it was falling apart before you it hash- even got started. You had hash browns? Yeah. Were they good? Do you put what you put on the hash browns? Uh, I have mine with a little bit of ketchup, not on them, on the side. Ooh. And then when I eat them, I dip the fork in a little bit of ketchup first, oh. and then pick them up. That wow, way, this... I never drown the cat. That way, I never drown the um, the hash browns in the ketchup. My mind has been blown right now. I yeah. no longer exist in this world. I've never thought about doing it that way. A lot I of like... people do it with salad dressing, and that's actually where I started it, and then I started adapting it to other styles. I like to just slather my salad dressing on everything. <laughs> you know, if there's a piece of lettuce that isn't just completely covered in that sauce, 
I'm not going to be happy with that salad. Bad salad. Yeah, um, you poor guy. You know, I uh, I love sauce so much. Yeah. Um, and uh, with ketchup, I put everything just directly on it. I actually take the fry out. I like steak fries a lot, so I can pick up the fry and apply ketchup to an individual fry and then eat it. Mm. I feel that. Um, anyway, so, Transformers. We're, we're, we we what's the word? We well digress. digress. Yeah, we have absolutely yeah. we digress. Yeah. So. Circling back around, um, I think it was bad because there was no complexity to it. It was about as cookie cutter and simple as things get. And so, but it's, and so it's like, it's like Wonder Bread, right? Like, I don't think Wonder Bread is particularly good. It doesn't have a lot of flavor. But if you need something to put on either side of your ham and cheese and lettuce, it works great. That would make a sandwich. Yeah. Same as a hot dog. Um, So I think that. Um, my question to that would be, does the intention of the creator to what the movie is supposed to do have a determination on whether it is good or not? Because you're comparing the movie to something that is supposed to do something different than what Transformers is supposed to do. I think so, it, I think it, what it's supposed to do is sell tickets. At the end of the day, that's what uh, yeah. entertainment is supposed to do, right? It's supposed to generate revenue. And I think Transformers did that so spectacularly well that they um, they oh. kept going. Yes, yes. It, and we got a lot of those type of movies afterwards as yeah. well, which has kind of started the whole thing of like. But but I think I don't know. I, I want to dig more deep into that because to me, it really. Um, I never really thought about this until I started listening to people do more critical reviews of things. About, um, I, I don't know. I think the purpose of the movie or the thing that you're talking about should matter as to what like attachment you're giving it as far as quality. Uh, I think you, you should know, definitely bear it in mind, but I don't think it necessarily has to be determinative. Like, and, and to go back to your original question, because we've gotten way off topic here as far as like your original posed question, I believe critics do matter. I love that there are people out there who spend the time and energy to invest and explore and learn because they're passionate about this Mm -hmm. thing, right? Like film critics, I am so grateful they're out there because they, you know, and now with the advent of social media and stuff, everybody can be a critic. And I love that because I love opinions. I love to hear what people think. I love to hear what they think is good, but, but critics themselves, like real critics, like experienced critics, like academic critics, people who, either make a living doing this or like main hobby it so hard that they've got like like a wealth of experience i am so grateful for them because i have gone through and like read explanations for things that i didn't understand before yes that have blown my mind right i think that's spot on too i i i read critics a lot actually and i, yeah. I, I quite enjoy all of them i think my my main concern with critics was um kind of back to what I was just talking about, about the intention of a movie, you know, and the intention of what it's supposed to do. Transformers scores 24% on Rotten Tomatoes, but it made more money than any other movie in the year. So like really what's the purpose of that 24% when it's still made more money? Like more people watch this movie than any other movie in the theaters the whole year. So it's got to have some sort of inherent good quality to it and make people feel good and happy. And isn't that what that entertainment a lot of times is supposed to do? So why does that one get a lower score versus something like um, Pacific Rim, you know, which 
is very similar, but scores like 76 on Metacritic. Those are made-up numbers, by the way. I have no idea what they actually score, but I can tell you for sure Pacific Rim scored higher than some of the Transformers movies, but probably late, made less money. And it's, it, I think it's a better movie. I do. But and you're using Metacritic, not Rotten Tomatoes? Is that what you n- said? No, I, I, I was actually... Um, um, let's do Rotten Tomatoes, because I think it's more... Okay. It's more well uh, recognized. Before, Are you looking uh, this up? Because we don't need to know. This is important. It's for science. All right, you look it up. Um, and while we talk about that, I will point out, I will argue why I think Pacific Rim was a better movie, but why I liked it just as much. Um, I think Pacific Rim tried to tackle more issues. I think it was it it, it delved into the main character more. Um, there was a lot of the character wrestled with a lot of self doubt, um, whereas. <clears throat> Uh, the character of Sam Witwicky in in the original Transformers is just like a kid who's out of his depth. You know, it's like he's along for the ride. This crazy stuff starts happening and his life gets turned upside down. I'm going to watch Transformers and tonight. And wacky antics ensue, right? Whereas with Pacific Rim, it was this guy struggling to validate his existence in the wake of a failure that defined his existence and killed his best friend and brother, right? Like, it, it, fundamentally different uh, stakes. The yes. stakes were different. The stakes were very different, but at the end of the day, they also weren't because it was the end of the world. Um, but Transformers, I think, especially the first one, came at it from a much more um, sort of Saturday morning cartoon style. Um, I think the the Pacific Rim was much grittier and edgier, but it wanted to be. So because, you know, Pacific Rim wasn't intended to be motivated by like American cartoons. It was motivated by like anime and manga Japanese, you know, giant robots, right. giant fighting yeah. robot cartoons. Um, so I have, I have, uh, yes. I, and the problem is, is that I don't disagree with you that the story and the plot and everything is better in Pacific Rim and like all the like characters and um, the depth that they go into, like the reasons those characters are doing what they're doing. You're absolutely right. Much better than Transformers. I like Transformers more than Pacific Rim. I, I mean, I like Transformers quite a bit more than Pacific Rim, um, actually. But um, I went nuts for Pacific Rim, man. Like when it was in theaters, I saw it three times and I loved it so much every time because it was it was exactly what I wanted. Like I didn't want it to be too complicated, but I wanted there to be some nuance to it. I wanted a grown up. I wanted a more advanced version of the Transformers movie. And I got that. But it still had those Saturday morning fun moments, like when they're in the middle of this giant fight and they're maybe going to die. And he's like trying to figure things out. And and he says, like, sword. And the robot goes, sword. And a giant sword comes out of the arm of the robot. And you're just losing your mind because this is Saturday morning and you're eating cereal. And it's incredible. Yeah. I I also got my ticket for free from a screening for Pacific Rim. So I think that modified like i didn't like really critically look at it i was just like oh, okay that was fun yeah. like well um, you don't have to critically look at it it's not worth critically looking at no, i also I really I, like idris elba so i'm a sucker for anything he's in see and i as you know and probably lots of not understanding is i'm a sucker for shia labeouf ah <laughs> uh, yeah i respect that like i don't like you just, that's right you weren't even steven's kid i was absolutely yeah. even steven's kid ren one of my first crutches. Like she is just, <laughs> she's so pretty. Huh? It's just like, yeah. She Maybe was one of my crutches too, but because she voiced Kyrie in kingdom hearts, not because of <laughs> even Stevens. Let's get put, that straight. <laughs> well, I liked her because she was an even Stevens. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I wasn't too far off, but I think something that's really interesting here 
And it's the exact point, not even point, but just kind of like what I keep on going back to and why I just, you know, it makes me really consider and think about what really constitutes something being good quality. Because um, the tomato meter on Pacific Rim is 71%, yep. which is close to what I thought it was. Yeah, that's, that's pretty close, man. Well done. Um, Transformers, which when I said, I'm going to say this in retrospect, and it's not going to matter because no one's going to believe me. But <laughs> I was, I was when I said 24%, I was more thinking about the later movies, not the first one. Because I knew the first one was going to go higher than that. Uh, Revenge of the Fallen is a 20%, by the way. So Yeah, that was pretty, a real bad one. Pretty close on that one, too. Anyways, tomato meter for Transformers was 58%. So what is that? Um, 13% I, difference. 13% difference. So not a ton of difference. Um, but the interesting part is the audience score on Pacific Rim is 77%. So only a 6% difference. The difference between the Transformers audience score and Tomato Meter is 23%. 27, wow. 27%. I did the math wrong. 27%. So 58% Tomato Meter, 85% audience score and that's kind of what I was wanting to get back at was so people think this is good they like they like it like so like I guess I'm just trying to challenge why we have these broad concepts of this equals good you know quality as quality wise not necessarily like entertaining but just like this is the formula for good because i try to step away from that a little bit and say well maybe that's why i think the intention of what something is trying to do should make a difference on the score at the end of the day and how good of a movie is and i think that's important to call out um i just went and saw rise of the skywalker not just went i mean we watched that by the time this comes out i may even be out on blu-ray but uh or home video if we like to call it the, I saw that back in December, and my first thoughts was, that's a really bad movie, but I liked I liked what I saw some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went and saw it again, and I still had a, that's a really bad movie, and I liked a lot less this time around than I liked the first time. Um, but uh, I don't want to, I don't, I'd still want you to go see that and give me your thoughts on, or just watch it whenever it comes out. Which one? Rise of the Skywalker, the latest oh, Star Wars movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if you don't feel like you have a need to pay for that, I don't think you should. I think yeah, you should I wait. <laughs> I really don't. You should Which wait. Is kinda, I feel sad about it. Like, I feel sad about the state of the the series that I don't care enough to see the last movie in the entire series. Yes. Um, but I just don't. I'm ha- I'm happy to wait. And I'm happy to let sort of the, the public outrage die down so I can, so, I can manage oh, a sort of... Uh, this is like independent perspective, you know? Yes. This is something I also want to lead into as well. Um, I did it on purpose. Maybe you can, maybe you can stop me if I'm talking for too long. Cause I know we just kind of went through and discussed a little bit of the critics and audience stuff, but I think this, this applies. So rise of the Skywalker. I think this is a perfect, <laughs> perfect example too. Mm-hmm. Um, last Jedi. Let's look this up. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to cause I, you know, so the last Jedi is fresh. It's real fresh. Ninety-one percent tomato meter on open on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score forty-three percent. Now, would you tell me mm-hmm. that? See, and this is why I think it's interesting because this movie, I think, I 
to be fair, this is my second favorite Star Wars movie. And I think it's one of my favorite movies that's come out in the last several years. So I am a little biased towards this movie. Um, I love it very much. But um, I still think it's the exact opposite of Transformers, though, where the critics said this movie's amazing and then the audience said it's not. So, like, then here's what happens. Rise of the Skywalker comes out and nobody's happy, you know? Like, let's look at that, because I think that because of what happened in Last Jedi and the reaction that the consumers had, it changed the way the, the Rise of Skywalker was. And I can't confirm that, but it, having watched the movie, it's fairly apparent of what they wanted to kind of back away from in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's kind of like who's like, why, like, why does it matter? You know, like it matters for someone like you for a critic, but generally like these critics don't really matter because the audiences and how good a, like the critics and how good a movie something is doesn't really make a difference because it's determined by how the consumers want it at this point. But yes. And so this is actually a great example to use when we're talking about this is because Star Wars comes with so much baggage. Right. Right. Because these people. So for to be fair. Star Wars has been around for ages. I didn't see the original trilogy in theaters. Like, I don't have the nostalgia or the sentiment associated with the series that other people do. So it's important to bear that in mind. Um, That said, I think that it's important to have critics around because they can sometimes be more objective than other people can. Right. And so all these people who, like, were dearly in love with Star Wars and didn't get what they wanted out of this trilogy um, are disappointed but that also means that they went and saw it right like all that 43 percent right. is because of people who went to see the movie and were right. disappointed yes no absolutely um I, i'm gonna throw the numbers at you for rise of skywalker uh 52 tomato meter from the critics and um 86 audience score um on that one so pretty much like i mean Honestly, I think Transformers is a better movie than The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and the critics will would agree um, by 1%. So I, I think it's just to me, it's just that's a fascinating thing that you have all of these really massive popular franchises that are are like, what's the goal, you know, and and the last Star Wars trilogy is a really interesting case. You could do a study on yourself because of the fact that, like, it just didn't look like there was a cohesive story that somebody thought of from the very beginning. I mean, that's mm-hmm. apparent that the fact that, like, Ryan Johnson got to write what he wanted to write and nobody was, like, checking him on it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, but uh, I don't know. It's just, like, it's hard for me to to... You know, think that like I just have to have a shift in what I think good quality is, I guess, you know, like maybe not. Like, I think it's I don't know. I'm you know, I'm trying to like I didn't like Rise of Skywalker at all, but audiences liked it more than The Last Jedi. So does that mean that I'm wrong and Rise of Skywalker is a better movie than The Last Jedi is because it did what it's supposed to do more, more better. It did what it's supposed to do better than Last Jedi did. Um I don't know. So according to the way I've always processed it, I think if more people liked it, then 
in terms of the scope of intent, then yes, it, I would say it was more successful. Okay, I, maybe that's where it's think, at. I don't think it necessarily means it's better, right? And that's a big distinction. Like there are like Transformers was successful. That doesn't mean it's better than other movies. Right. Um, similarly, um, the Rise of Skywalker was more successful. It doesn't mean it's better. Yeah. Right. So for me, um, it's it's both and right. It's a false yeah. dichotomy. And it's an, it's a sort of a paradox that you have to embrace to be able to feel happy being able to process all of this at all. No. And I, I like really good. I mean, I think where my struggle is with this is just like the objectiveness of like something being good quality. All that is, is, is that we have collectively decided as not necessarily a society, maybe so, but we've somebody out there has decided this equals good quality stuff. And, you know, if we want to go to just movies in general, right, I I'm not going to talk about what equals a good quality movie. You know, I didn't go to school for that. I don't make movies. I have no idea how to do that kind of stuff. But but you can talk about it as a consumer. Right. So I guess what I'm saying is, it's like the consumers are not picking what good quality is. They have no say in it because it I mean, it shows like the consumers are saying this is what I decide to spend my money on, even though it's not as good a quality as something else was. Right. Um, and so why are the people or whoever it is like why? I guess the, the baseline is, is where did these good quality tick box like check boxes come from? You know, was it just over time? Hey, we're about 100 years into the movie industry and we've kind of figured out this is what makes a good movie, even if it doesn't get people to watch it. Like, yes. But like yeah, the purpose of so. a movie is about... for people to watch it. I mean, not necessarily. Not, no, 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 I don't. Yeah. I, I'm going to take that back right away because that's definitely wrong. You're right. Yeah. Indie filmmakers don't make movies because they think they're going to make money. Indie filmmakers right. make movies because they want to tell stories. And, and you can definitely accomplish both. You can make money yeah, and tell good I know, stories. I know. Another for false, sure. false dichotomy, right? Yeah. But, and I think, um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Cause like I look at a movie and I think that's really, really good. I think more people should watch it. Like 1917. I've been trying to convince so many people to watch 1917. Cause I think it's just a really well-made movie and nobody's gone and watched it yet. Yeah, I'm sure it's um, well made, but again, it falls into that category you. that you've said you want to talk about. About yeah, I understand why movies. you're not watching it. I get that. I don't think it's doing what you think it does. Um, so, but I guess I mean, I mean we're in a tang- tangent for a second on this because maybe I don't think we have to have a whole episode on this. But I am interested in knowing what you think the difference between a documentary on Netflix about a war that somebody's making money on versus the movie that represents the war in a theatrical way. So I think, or if there is a difference, there may not be a difference. You may only want to have Ken Burns PBS stuff, you know? Yeah. No, for me, for me, it really does boil down to like, um, it's about like whether or not you're trying to make money off of it. And I think documentaries are trying to make money for like these small, Small TV um, stations, you know, places like A&E, places like the History Channel, things that don't PBS. Yeah. Places that don't get the kind of big dollar sign entertainment um, 
budgets that Hollywood entertainment does. Do you do you think you're projecting yourself onto somebody else's intentions? No, because when you make a movie in, for Hollywood, you make a movie to make money. Like oh, so and, movies, and you made movies. The, movies are the supposed people, to be make money. <laughs> yes, but the people the people making those movies are making them on a scale where producers expect to see returns and Dollar they invest back. millions of dollars. Don't you think somebody man can... hours and work into telling stories that don't need to be glorified that way? And okay. th- and that's what really is kind of gross to me about it. You and, don't think somebody can do back, both? No, I think I think when you if you're trying to tell a good story, I don't think you need to, especially something as gruesome and horrific as war. I don't think you need to spend millions of dollars to create these unbelievable scenes. They're gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. They're beautiful. But if somebody's but willing war to pay for not, that, it doesn't but, matter. So so you so you so I think. If the intention is to, they will always be made. I'm not saying they shouldn't be made. They will always be made. I will not support those movies anymore because I don't need to see any, any more like fake trench warfare. Like I've seen enough in my life. I'm done. Okay. And I think that's fair. I'm I'm not trying to attack you. And then, you know, like, no, and I get, I, I get, I get amped up about this because I think like, I think we, as a culture, we been at war for like as long as I've been alive. Right. And so it's impossible. It's impossible to to identify what a world looks like without war. And so the notion that we have become so complacent about it that we are now using it as a part of our mainstream media entertainment, like that's heartbreaking to me. Okay. And I think it's really important to pull that lens back and remind ourselves from time to time that like, you know, when we get ourselves out of a war, we don't necessarily have to start another one. Right. Yeah. I guess it's just. Uh, yeah. I mean, is it equivalent of not equivalent, but to a much lesser degree of somebody selling out? Does that mean is that what you kind of feel about it? Like these it directors? Just feels, it feels grossly commercial. Yes. Okay. And, yeah, and I, so I wouldn't say selling out, but I would say it feels it feels uncomfortably commercial. Yeah, and it's it's the same sort of thing um, when when you see those Sarah McLaughlin Arms of the Angels adoption commercials, right? Mm-hmm. It's grossly commercial. Like it's like here is a thing we are going to leverage your emotions for money, and in that case, it's a little bit more forgivable because they're leveraging it for the betterment of animal lives, right? So that's cool. Yeah, um, but but with like. With movies about war, like, like, stop spending million, spend millions of dollars to get us out of wars. Like, stop telling me that war is beautiful. Like, stop trying to show me that war is beautiful or grand. And you don't have to tell me that it's not because I know that already. Okay, that's fair. I, um, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I like that. Well put. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. Um, cool. I always wanted to, I always wanted to talk. We don't have now, see now we don't have to do a whole podcast about it. Yeah. You know, cause we, we just did it. That was the podcast. We're going to cut that whole part out and just make it a whole little mini sode. Um, <laughs> you know, and we'll just kind of start doing that. We're just going to start giving you the podcast in about 10 minute increments every two days. You oh, know? I love We're that. We're going to start going Dickens style, you know? <laughs> um, so anyways, um, 
Yeah, I, I guess, you know, because we're on movies right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep rolling down that path. Um, which, but also, it's pretty interesting because I think this is a phenomenon that typically happens in movies, but not a lot of other types of media, music for sure as well. Um, but I think, take like video games for example. I don't think there are a lot of bad quality video games that do just absolute gangbusters, at least not at the level of movies. I would argue that games like um, Path of Exile, Binding of Isaac, um, Hollow Knight, these indie games that have just like shaped the entire gaming industry. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the one? What was the one that that you played where you're the person who just walks? Oh, it's the swapper. No. Oh, inside the original. No, it was the original. You walk through the desert and you go up journey journey. Yeah. Games like that where it's like the budget is not very big, but people are still trying to create like they they had it right. They had it. Whatever it is. They had the magic. They had that really incredible um, immersion that that just like makes the experience so special. Well, yeah, and I think my my thing is it's like you don't see very many bad video games rise to the top and make the most money. Yeah. It just that just doesn't happen. You know, like like video games like God of War that sell 10 million copies, which is in that world is a like astounding mm-hmm. amount um from my understanding. Yeah. But uh but like those like that's I mean I brought up God of War because I think it's my favorite game in the last Five I watched, years. I watched a playthrough of it so I could get on board, and Gosh, it is. It's really incredible. So, it's amazing. It's so yeah. much. I'm actually, I let somebody borrow it, and every, I've let two people in my life borrow that game both times. I've been like, when they have it, I'm like, I just want to play God of War right now. I just want to, <laughs> just what I want to do. I really hope it has, I'm, I'm so, anyways, it's great. But, um, that game is really, really good, and so is Spider-Man, and so is Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Like, those games are really good, and those are the top sellers, you know? Like, the, it is interesting. You do find really bad video games rise to the top every once in a while, but not like, I mean, you look at the movies that made the most money in the last year and probably like four or five of them out of the top seven are going to be just not the best quality, but entertaining, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't necessarily disagree with you. I do think that um, critics are important and I think that um, having as much objectivity towards something is is when you're watching it is good but understanding that you can also really enjoy something and i think that's where a lot of times the lines get blurred for some folks and I, I i at least it was for me for a while it took me a long time to break out of the and i think you were talking about this earlier the breakout of the that was not good but i still had a lot of fun with it mm-hmm. you know it wasn't until and maybe that just comes with age you know and, and just consuming enough media and just having that responsibility of like i just don't care anymore as much as i used to mm-hmm. i don't know um but it is definitely freeing when i sat down to watch something i was like i liked that a lot and it was really bad but i still <laughs> liked it because they these things that you consume and have like joy over you kind of touched on it with the it factor they just some you just can tell you know like when something is good you can watch it yeah that was good it just had it and it just did and, and you hope that it crosses over between good and entertaining because I've watched stuff that like yeah that's really good I don't like it but I think it's really good 
you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of a cop out to just call it the it factor too. And I want to circle it back around. You, you yeah. mentioned earlier the idea that like there's a list of things that make things good that we've kind of amassed through our experience in this world mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it certainly in, feels in that like industry. That. And I think, I think there is that. And I think there is, there is a way to articulate the it factor in a more um, helpful way. But I think as people who are not professionally trained to do so, it's harder. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I know I've been listening to some in-depth reviews and people are talking about transitions and like seeing some of like the, prog- I don't know. I forget. I, they're using terms. I was like, I don't, I don't like that kind of stuff doesn't bother me because I'm not trained to like, my eye is not trained to look at that, mm-hmm. you know? And I think. Um, that's probably where that that quality comes from. Is just I don't have the ability to look at a movie other than like I think that was a good movie. I can probably tell you why I think it's a good movie, but I can't mechanically tell you why it's a good movie. Yeah, um, which is where the critics are important, and that's where they can kind of come in and say I can tell you why it's mechanically a good movie. These are what it, this is the things <laughs> that it does really well. You know. Yeah. Um, I also I am a very like, and I think this is fun because I think this is where you and I differed a lot of times too where I consume my entertainment at a much greater like face value level than I think you do Mm -hmm. not even so much for trying to find quality in something I just think you have a way better ability to find the symbolism in something because of how much you enjoy that yeah and I don't it's definitely been a part of my my watching experience my audience experience that I've cultivated Mm -hmm. you know for me it's just like you can talk about it's it's why I can't complete quests in Dark Souls, you know, without without because I just don't have the ability to look into something and being like, oh, they said that, which actually means this over here. Yeah. You know, like when I consume my media, that's kind of like, oh, that's why I like reading some of these reviews like and some of these breakdowns of movies. I was like, okay. Oh, that is cool. I do like why they did that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm starting to get a little better at it, but still. Um a lot of people say, well, the movie is actually about this. And I was like, oh, well, I thought it was just about a bunch of lions that were running around and it was like fun because yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas was in it. You're telling <laughs> me it's Hamlet? I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, so that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, um, do you have anything else to add mm, that you want to get into? I think mostly for me, what it boils down to is understanding that like regardless of the definitions and like frameworks you choose to build up around your enjoyment of entertainment i think it's really important to both give yourself permission to enjoy the things you enjoy even when they're even when the world says they're not good so for example if you like the rise of skywalker you go for it man right like don't just own it yeah i don't But simultaneously, that, a, don't don't let that become a crutch where you like refuse to be re- retrospective about something yes. that that other people talk about. Like, just talk about it, man. Like when people talk about the, when it's so interesting to me when people talk about what they like and don't like. It seems like when people when someone says I don't like a thing you like, the other person hears I don't like you for liking something I don't yes, like. Right? right, and and so there always is this like this alienation. Uh, that exists and I feel like it's really sad because I think it's cool that people can disagree and I want mm-hmm. people to be able to like talk to each other more about it I like the oh I really like that why don't you like that very much you know yeah. like tell me why like yeah. you see this differently than I do because maybe you'll bring something on to me that I didn't you know mm-hmm. I didn't recognize the first time I've um, I, I kind of like to go from it 
the kind of the opposite version of that where so one of my really big pet peeves is when somebody tells you they like something and it's just this most innocent like thing but they are really embarrassed about it and I'm like why are you embarrassed about this like you just just like what you like you yeah. know like it's it's you know I mean I even have I mean I'm not immune to that at all you know I have a 30 minute lunch It'd be pretty great for me just to bring my Switch to work every day and just play Switch for 30 minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't because I am, like, I, I don't want to come off as that. You know, it's weird. Like, and video games is, like, one of my main hobbies and, like, the majority of the podcast content that I consume. And I'm never going to apologize to anybody. Like, yeah, I love video games. But being out in public and doing video games is still hard for me. Isn't that well, weird? Look, yeah, and that's something we can also do an entire episode on um, eventually because I think it's right. probably too similar to a lot of what we've done recently. But I think there, there are so many taboos built up around video game culture and nerd culture in general um, that have really made it hard for a lot of people to feel comfortable liking what they like in public. And I think, like, obviously, as long as it's not illegal, <laughs> I think it's pretty cool for people to say, like, hey, here's the thing I like. Like, I love talking with people about movies that I don't like. Mm-hmm. Like, my fiance is watching uh, The Vampire Diaries on YouTube, on um, Netflix right now. And it's like Twilight series knockoff. Is that just you know, like a like, bunch of vampires writing in the diary and just reading about it? Like, yeah. This is like Sir Sir Amos, the vampire of old, January and, 24th, 1917. A, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I actually, that's th- exactly what it's like. I You must have seen it. I have. I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah, that Sorry. Was, that was Continue. a low-key way for me to... Uh, introduce that subject so that you could talk more about the show you love so much so take it away i'm not embarrassed by loving the vampire diaries my favorite diary entry was from um magnus uh his was his was really great i really liked because he had one from 1516 that was just so fascinating i can't remember all of it though you guys should watch it i think that was season three episode two um (laughs) there's a yule log next to him it's great it's pretty good But, like, I don't... The point is... The point is just, like... What is the point? I'm just thinking about Magnus's diaries now. Um, the point is just <laughs> that you should you should be able to, like, talk to people about what you like because you I may find so. that they have things they like, too. And I, I yeah. think that's something that, again, people tend to lose sight of. Like, you with your Switch, like, obviously you're in a new job, relatively new job. So there's that period of adjustment where you don't want to be too alienating. But I think eventually you should absolutely own it and you should absolutely bring it in. But obviously don't like when people try to talk to you about it, talk to them about it instead of playing the game. I think a lot of times what happens is when people are doing something like reading a book or something and people try to engage them about it, they get sort of defensive, usually because they're trying, you know, for a little bit of private time or whatever, which is fine. But like if you can if you can use that as an opportunity to like share with this person what you love and are passionate about it will probably bring you closer together. I agree. Like, I think it's a, I think it's an opportunity for people to, to learn more about each other and grow together. I think it's, yeah, yeah I, I, I do too. I'll get there eventually. I am. Now I just check my Twitter and catch up and stuff on yeah. that. So, you know, important things. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Important. So I was active on Twitter today. I had a new follower, lots of likes and talks. It was great. Most <laughs> active day in years, years. The more I tweet, the less followers I have. So we're doing something right, you know? Yeah, buddy. Um, Yeah, I think kind of to finalize my thoughts on everything, 
it's just a I just honestly it's an echo of what you're saying is you know like use what other people think as kind of a guideline towards what you may like you know find a critic that you align with and then start reading that person Mm -hmm. because that really helps because you're like okay this person likes a lot of the same things I do I can probably get a pretty good idea of if I'm going to like this movie based upon what they say about it and what they like Um, I think that's really important I have found a couple critics that I like a lot in the gaming that I follow and it's like okay if they like a game I'm probably going to like this game Mm -hmm. Um, and you can kind of trust somebody on that but also at the same time like what Max was saying it's just you know, if you like something that a lot of people think is trash, but like Max says, it's not illegal. It's kind of an innocent thing. Like, just like it and own it because I think you enjoying something and being authentic about how much you like something is really important. Um, For you as well as the other people, right? And, no, like, and I think that's what I'm saying is like, I think it's I think it's important to come across that way and it's important for yourself. Just, you know, yes. Um, I, you know, I, I could tell you all the, the slew of things that are really poor quality that I like, um, but I can't find any of them right now because I don't think there is anything bad that I like. Um, <laughs> no, I like Superstore a lot, which I don't know if it's bad. And I like the Goldbergs, which is which is OK. I like um, Superstore a lot, too. I'm not sure if it's bad either. I don't think of, I don't I don't put sitcoms under a lens of good or bad as no. intensely as I do. I don't like, either action movies yeah no no i i i i definitely don't either um but um there are absolutely movies out there that i think that are just just make me so happy but i know are just awful you know and 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 there are sitcoms out there that are worth like grammys like friggin brooklyn 99 Um, yeah uh, not grammys golden globes i'm really bad at awards i don't care about awards most of the time so i always get them confused you just have won so many, you know, it's difficult to keep track. <laughs> My shelves are stocked with trophies. I know. I they're see all that. participation trophies. You pretty much put stacked. the Asheville trophy uh, store out of stock. <laughs> I did. I did. Like, Someone I had have another su- one. I awarded myself best man today. Support your local business, you know? Yeah. I, I gave myself an award for that. Best person at supporting my local, my local business. You know, just lots of things that you, you've you been awarded for. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Your your EGOT, though, is, is the one I'm most proud of. Thank you. Me too. Um, yeah. So that's kind of it. I think um, I want to give a little... Uh, anyways, go figure out what you want to do with your credits and stuff. And uh, enjoy. Not credits. Yeah, and let us know. Yeah. There is a... Um, I'm going to wrap back around for a second. There is a way you can get in contact with us, actually. And it's with the email. And it is podcast at infinitepulp.com. So email us. Let us know. Um, I will be the one responding unless you have an email directly centered towards Max. And then I'll shoot it over to him. And he can respond. But if you ask us questions, we'll have a little section and uh, talk about anything that you want to talk about. Because we'd love to have something that you think would be interesting to kind of unpack and discuss. And also give us your thoughts on it. Um, And we'll go from there. But um, (laughs) if you want to have a more immediate interaction with us, find us on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm at uh, my Twitter actual handle is Aaron underscore Robert. But you can find me at Dant Mango. D-A-M-P-3-D, Mango. Um, Instagram, just look up Dan Mango or my name. Um, that's what both work. And uh, I think that's all the things I'm on. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on YouTube. Max Baron, Max Baron Reed. I'm one of one combination of those things. 
So yeah, yeah come find me. Come hang You'll out. Find them. It'll be good. Um, I have something that I'm going to tease for everybody before we sign off here officially. So it's been Max and I only for the last every episode. So soon we are going to have a guest and I don't know if it's going to be the next episode after this. I think it is because we're recording next week in real time um, for us about two months past for where you guys are listening to this. But I'm very excited to have um, to have them on. And I think I know what we're going to talk about, but I need to make sure with Max and this person to see if that's what they want to talk about. Um, and then we'll go from there. But more people. And then we're going to have some more guests periodically after that, too, because we want to get some more people in here to have some. That way you're listening to more voices than just ours, because ours are really boring and, um, you know, not fun to listen to all the time. Most of the time. Self-deprecating yes, humor. That's why we got into podcasting, right? It's because we don't think we have things to say. That, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what it was really just a way for Max and I to talk about stuff we like to talk about every week. Yeah. So it's, it's basically an excuse for us to have a conversation. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So we're glad that you're conversating with us and we hope you continue. Um, this has been Infinite Pulp, though. You have, your, have a good rest of your day or night, whatever it is. You know what? Go watch something that you just enjoy that is really bad. I'm going to do the same. I'm <laughs> pro- like, I'm going to. I'm, I'm very excited about it. I want to hear about it next week. I will. I'll I'll share. We'll share. All right. You have a great rest of your night. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening.